prayer. Prayer is a topic of a myriad of books, of sermons, of teachings, articles, podcasts, you name it. Prayer is described at times as praise, it's described as worship, it's described as a spiritual weapon. Some people say it's the key that unlocks God's blessings. Prayer sometimes is described as just a, it's a communication tool. If you did an internet search for Christian prayer, you get millions of hits. But for all of the articles, the books, and the sermons, and for all the common knowledge that, that we say we have, that understanding prayer being important for the believer is still something that a large number of believers just struggle with on a daily basis. You don't have to amen that, but you know there, there's just some truth in it for, for a lot of folks. Sometimes it's a struggle just to do it. Sometimes it's a struggle to pray for more than just two or three minutes. Sometimes it's a struggle to feel like you even know what to pray about when you actually pray. Sometimes it's a struggle about how to pray. Are you supposed to sound like pastors do? Are you supposed to sound like somebody when they pray over, you know, if the church does an offering, which we don't do, but if they have somebody pray, you're supposed to sound like that? Because you ever notice that when people tend to pray a lot of times in church, particularly over things like offerings and stuff like that, that it's... Uh, it sounded a lot alike. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for those who have to give and those who don't like. Right? Sorry if anybody, you know, if you've prayed that over an offering, you know. <laughs> but, but you know what? Most of the time, uh, a lot of prayers that, that we've tended to even pray in church, we just pray things. We heard somebody pray maybe when we were growing up or we heard somebody else pray it in church. And so a lot of times prayer then to us just becomes, well, maybe I'm supposed to sound like that. And God help us if we start trying to sound like the King James Bible when we, when we pray. Because, you know, we, uh, sometimes it's amazing how that people can be standing right outside the door of church and they're talking just normally just like this. They're just having a conversation. And all of a sudden it comes time to pray and, Oh Lord, Thou art, you know, and we start getting into that whole King James thing. Thee and Thou and West and Wist and... All kind of stuff. You know, so sometimes people struggle. You know, I, I, how am I supposed to pray? What's it supposed to sound like? They're all topics and thoughts that we could address today, but um, none of those are what we're actually going to talk about. But I, would, I just wanted you to realize that prayer is a topic that has so many subtopics under it that it's almost enough. You could just preach on all these different things about prayer for months on end if, if, that's, if that's what God led you to do. But today, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that is just entirely and extremely applicable to our world at this moment. And really, I think that it is of supreme importance that the faith community get right. That we get this right regarding this powerful tool called prayer. And so, what we're going to talk about today is this idea of prayer, it's for everyone. But... Maybe that's going to be a little different than what you're thinking. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is going to be our, our anchor passage for today. It says, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. For kings, 
and all those who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want to, uh, I want to give you some backstory because in, in order to understand this beginning of Paul speaking to Timothy, when he says, first of all then, well, wait a minute. So that then kind of gives us a, an idea that he's tying this to something he just said to them. So as a result of something that I just said, then I want to tell you that I want you to do something first of all. That's important. So I want to give you the last few paragraphs that he had written in this letter prior to what we just read. I always remind you guys to keep in mind that you know we're the ones that later on took these letters and we put uh, verse numbers on them and we put chapters on them and things like that to make them easier for us to take and to study and to reference and to, um, to be able to kind of get some, some gist sometimes of what it's saying. But we've got to be careful that we don't just get into a chapter and a lot of times these chapters tend to reference something that was just done in a previous chapter. Some paragraphs he just written. So we got to remember this stuff was written in letter form. And so we can't miss out when he says, first of all, then. We got to understand, well, what was that? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, this is what Paul, who, who wrote this to Timothy, who was his son in the faith, and who he had put into ministry and, and established in leadership of some churches. Here's what he says. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies that were previously made about you so that by them you may strongly engage in battle, having faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have suffered the shipwreck of their faith. Hymenaeus and Alexander are among them, and I've delivered them to Satan so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. All right, so he's just said... There's some people who have rejected a couple of things. There's some people who've rejected good instruction. There's some people who have rejected having the faith, and they have rejected having a good conscience, and therefore what it ended up with is essentially it shipwrecked their faith. It caused it just to fall apart because they had rejected good instruction, faith, and having a good conscience. So Paul tells Timothy that the first thing, since you know that this is what has happened with people, rejecting instruction, rejecting the faith, and in not having a good conscience, he says, so based on that, the first thing that I want you to do then is to speak to God with petitions, with prayers, with intercessions, and thanksgiving for everyone, including all those who are in authority. So what we're going to do today in looking at this is we're going to take the who, what, when, where, how, and why and make sure I got all of those in there. Who, what, when, where, how, and why approach to understanding this scripture. So let's start with who. Now you can talk to me during some of this. All right. So, so who is supposed to be making these forms of communication with God? Us, all of us. I mean, what did what did he actually say there? He said, he said, first of all, I urge that petitions, prayers, uh, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. So he just makes it a blanket statement that the who is to be every believer is supposed to be do this. And about whom are we to be making these forms of communication with God? What did he say? He said for everyone. Everyone. 
Then he goes on to clarify, especially that it should be about every person who is in authority over us. So let's talk for a moment about what are some examples of who that would include. And we're going to start from the top and work downward. And I just want to go ahead and tell you, you just need to buckle up and hang on. Because we're just going to talk about the truth of what God's Word says. Because He didn't say everybody you like. He didn't say everybody that you agree with. He said that you're to do this for everyone. And now, I want to go ahead and lay another piece of groundwork. Because when I make the first one that I'm about to make, right now, some people would go, Yes, Lord. But if we had gone a year, a year and a half, or two years back, you would not be, some people would not be saying that. And if you identify, when I say the next few of these, that you would be saying, yes, Lord, right now, but you would not have been saying, yes, Lord, two years ago. I'm just telling you, that's your spiritual moment for today. Right. All right? Now, I'm just going to shoot you straight. We're not going to pull any punches in this because we're just going to go with what God's Word says. And God's Word said for everyone. So let's stop at the top and work down about who it is that's in authority over us that we should be praying for. This would include the president. Whether you voted for him or not. But it included the president a year ago as well, and two years ago. And it included the president eight years ago, and 12 years ago, and 20 years ago. Now, every four years, people decide whether they really want to pray for the president sometimes. Even people in church, let's just go ahead and be honest. Because you agree with the guy that's in, or with the person that's in, and oh, yes, Lord, let's pray, let's lift them up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk at one point in here about there's a difference in praying for someone and praying about someone. Because a lot of people want to pray about people in authority. They just don't want to pray for people in authority. This would include senators and congresspeople, whether you voted for them or not. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a political message today. I'm not. I'm just giving you what God's Word says. And it says people are in authority. And when you look around the, the highest authorities that we honestly have when it comes to the secular world in our country, it involves politicians a lot of times. I mean, they can, they can, I mean, think about This would include judges. It would include locally elected officials, city department leaders, whether you like them or not. Right. Don't get a whole lot of amens on you know, when you cover this kind of stuff. This would include your boss at work. Amen. Amen. I was waiting on a couple of them. It would include your coach at school. Anybody want to amen that out of this group? All right, yeah. <laughs> TJ, you want to amen that? This would include your teachers. It would include your pastor, whether you like him or not. No, you need to be praying for him. <laughs> For those still at home, it includes your parents. Come on, parents. Where was you? I mean, I, amen. It includes parents even when you don't agree with them. Regardless of all the other things that we talk about regarding prayer, if we don't have this part down, then we are honestly corrupting prayer from what God intended it to be because our hearts are not right regarding the communication that we're trying to have with God. And here's the thing. The only person you're fooling is you. God's not sitting here going, oh, they just conveniently forgot 
to pray for all the leaders, you know, in authority. They just didn't, they didn't pray for the president. They didn't pray for their boss. They didn't pray for, you know, this person or that, but they didn't pray for all this. Well, how they must've just forgotten. I mean, God's not fooled by any of that. He knows that we're not wanting to pray for them because we don't like them. He knows we're not wanting to pray for them because you don't agree with them. Didn't nobody amen that. What about what and how? Let's talk about what this communication is supposed to be. That passage said, he, he said, I want you to give petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. Petitions would be requests regarding this person. We're asking God to do something in relation to this person. Now, this is the one that most of us don't have any problem with, right? God, you need to do something about them, <laughs> right? We don't have any problem making a petition. God, you need to change them. God, you need to do this. You need to send somebody that can give them the word. See, we even start praying. Y'all start praying like preachers. You know you do. I, I, try, not, I try not to get a lot of that sound a lot of times because, you know, it, uh, it's easy. You know, if you start snorting in between all the words and all that stuff, you know, you, uh, you know, and all that, unless you're sick. You know, I try not to get that way a lot. That's just, you know, it's easy to fall into, into doing that. But, you know, people start praying. They start sounding like preachers when they're praying about somebody. Dear Lord. Some of y'all start praying. You sound like Medea. Lord, Lord. You need to do something about them. You start getting, you get animated. You're not animated the rest of the time when you talk. But when you pray about people. God, you're going to do something about my boss. You're about to make me lose my ever-loving mind. Right? We just, we just have problems when we have to pray for people. What about simply offering prayer for them? What about simply praying a general prayer of blessing and guidance? Health and prosperity, spiritual awakening and sensitivity. I'm not talking about going, God, you need to get a hold of them because them people's crazy and they need to, and you need to change them because I just think they're of the devil. We start putting extra syllables in stuff in the devil. That's supposed to be two syllables anyway, but we start emphasizing them. What about if we just simply made petitions that were praying for them? What about intercession regarding that person? See, intercession is the action of intervening on behalf of another person. Let's say you see someone in a, in, a, in, an, in a store or something like that, and you see them having a conversation with someone that works there, and you can see and tell by what you're hearing that the reason they can't get on the same page is the one's not understanding what the other one's asking. Y'all know you've been in this situation before, even family or anything. You can see two people, and you can tell they're both trying, but you can see they're not understanding what the other one's saying. And you know if, if, if you'll step in, and you'll say, hey, let me, let me help you with, I think what they're really asking, and you just, maybe, you say it a little different way, you come, and the person goes, oh, oh, okay. And all of a sudden, the confusion clears up. Why? Because you interceded on their behalf. You intervened in a situation and you helped clear something up. We're supposed to be praying for people in, a, in, in authority. According to this passage, we're supposed to be making intercession for everyone. 
including those who are in authority. So we should be stepping in on their behalf and praying about things that are related to their life on their behalf. You ought to pray on behalf of their family. You ought to pray on behalf of their marriage. We as believers shouldn't be getting excited. We shouldn't, and I've had, we've actually had a lot of conversation in our house um, this week because of seeing the situation that's happened with the Anderson Star. Seeing the situation that's going on with, with the, the chairman of, of the company that, that oversees them and history back in you know, the 70s or 80s, whenever some of that time frame was, and, and it's interaction, in, totally inappropriate interaction with women. And, but you know what? What we, sh- what we as believers should not do is we, we should not gloat over, ah, see, this guy that has said this about somebody that's conservative or says this about somebody, oh, we ought to, you know, yeah, see, he finally got what's coming to him kind of thing. I mean, we, we really can't be there, guys. What we've got to be doing is we've got to be going, God, I, I pray for his family. I pray that if, his, that if his family didn't know about this and the embarrassment that it's going to cause for, for children and for you know, folks that are around. And why? Because as believers, we should be interceding for people. We should be praying on behalf of people's marriage. We should pray on behalf of their specific health. We ought to pray on behalf of their relationship with others with whom they have to interact, work, and negotiate, and operate. You know, a lot of times, I, I truly believe this, and I know in any of you that, that, because various ones of you either own businesses or you, know, you run areas of businesses, you're, you're part of leading people. I can tell you for sure, if I, I, I covet people praying. You know, when I go to work every day in my, in my regular job, man, I covet that people pray for the interactions I have with people other than them. Because when you have interactions with suppliers or with customers or with someone that's around, and, and that affects you, and that has an impact on, on you, and, and, and it has an emotional impact on you. And so I, I pray that people are praying for me. I pray that people that work for me are praying for me, that God, when he has to interact with Honda, or when he has to interact with Honda, or when he has to interact with these other people, I pray that you give him favor, God. I pray that you will allow things to go smoothly, and that you allow good relationships. Why? Because then that, that's able to affect me as a, as a leader to be in an even better frame of mind and under less stress. So we should pray for those, not just in how they directly impact us in their authority over us, but pray about their lives in general. That God makes their home life good. That God, I pray that you'll get involved in their marriage. I pray that if they don't know you, they'll come to know you. God, I pray that if their, if their spouse doesn't know you, that they'll have a relationship with you. I pray that, God, you'll, you'll cause their children to, be, to have good health and just praying for people and interceding on their behalf. But the final one is the one that I think is probably even harder for most believers, and definitely it would be for people who aren't believers because then they wouldn't have the Holy Spirit working in them, but it's that He said you need to give thanksgiving for everyone. For those who are in authority. Now, that's where I'm going to go back to that at times. Depending on what we feel about who your boss is or who the person is that's somewhere, you know, in local politics or I don't know if you're part of some group and somebody's the chairperson or something like that. 
If you like them and you get along with them, great. Then, hey, you might have no problem saying, yeah, I'm going to go to God and give thanks for that person. But what about when that doesn't exactly work that way? He said here, he said, you... Or to, he says, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and all those who are in authority. Can we just be honest enough to say that can be tough? It can be tough when, when we don't agree with someone, but, you know, but yet the Bible says that, that all authority is established by God. He, he allows things to happen. It's completely, it completely changes our attitudes toward, toward people when we have to find things to express about them for which we're genuinely thankful. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not talking about that, well, man, you, you got someone who's in an authority position and they're, they're literally physically abusing and verbally abusing people and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's, it's not, he's not talking about you ignoring that that's a reality or not praying for God to change those things and, and not seeking legal relief and things like that. That's not what, it, that's not what Paul's talking about. But he is saying that, that while we are praying for people and while we are, are you know, under authority of people, because we're going to talk here in a minute about what the impact is that it has on us, but we are still to look and to identify and focus ourselves toward what are things that we're able to be thankful for. Now, here's the thing. When you really have to start looking at people and moving beyond some personal bias towards somebody in order to turn an honest eye toward evaluating them and identifying things for which you can be thankful, it'll change how you react toward people. You, you can't help it. Because as long as we stoke each other's negativity about people and situations and authorities and, and all kinds of things, if we all get in here and come in here together and we pick somebody in the, in the public eye to just start complaining about and, oh, this person's terrible and blah, 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 and we, just, and we just stoke that and feed that in each other, guess what? We walk out of here mad, upset. You'll kick the dog. You'll snap at your wife or your husband because you just get in a whole mindset of, of negativity and it affects everything. But when you stop and you have to say, look, now I'm going to pray about the reality. I'm going to go, I'm going to make petition about the reality of what's there. But I'm also going to find some things that, because that, that's what his word says, for me to be thankful about and for me to intercede on their behalf about. Because I'll be honest, once you start praying for somebody, it gets a lot harder to just be entirely negative about them. Because you're not praying about them, you're praying for them. You stop praying about how they do, and you start praying for them personally. God, I don't know why it is that's driving this thing in them. I don't really know all the details behind why they're this way. But God, I pray you'll heal that in them. You're not ignoring the fact that, that, that you've got a boss that yells and screams and everything else. You're not going, well, that's okay, because you know, God told me, you know, According to his word, I'm supposed to get thanksgiving. No, I'm thankful he yelled at me today, God. That's not what he's talking about. I'm going to be over here and I'm going to make petition. God, I, I pray that you will just somehow get a hold of his heart so that he'll stop that. But God, I don't know what's driving that. 
And so I'm thankful that you're giving me an opportunity to pray. I'm thankful that you're going to give me strength because your word says I can do all things through Christ. And you're going to, maybe you have placed me here like Esther for such a time as this. And God, someone else might not be able to handle this. So I'm just going to go to war spiritually praying that God, you will heal what this is in that person's life. That God, you're going to allow me. I'm thankful that you're going to let me try to be a positive witness in this person's life. God, I don't like what they're doing. It's not healthy and it's not good. And so I pray that you'll change that. But God, I'm going to intercede on their behalf and I'm going to pray that whatever is oppressing them, whatever is attacking them, God, I'm going to pray for you to deliver them out of that. Father, I'm going to pray that you're going to get a hold of their heart, God, and I pray you can use me to be a part of that. I am thankful that you are going to give me the strength to be able to influence this person. And God, I just pray you help me to keep my patience. Help me to be calm. God, help me to be able to, to be strong in your word, to be strong in prayer. God, help me to be strong in, in, in memorizing your words so that the words of my heart and the meditations, or the, the, med the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Thank you, God, for entrusting me to be in this. And so, God, I pray that you're going to deliver. But I'm thankful that you're going to give me the strength to be able to make it through. Man, that's hard. It's hard to pray that. A great example of this, though, would be Corey Tinboom. Most people have, have read about. She was, uh, was a Jewish lady who was in the German concentration camps when the, when the Jewish exterminations were taking place. And the barracks where she and her female friends and family, a portion of the barracks where they were in, uh, were in prison, was infested with fleas. And in her, in her books, and you can listen to, uh, online to recordings of her telling, telling the story, but um, I, I don't remember if it was her sister or someone that was connected to her asked, because all these fleas were there in the bedding and everything else, and, and, and she was like, this is, this is so terrible. And, but they noticed that the guards would go to the other barracks at night and, and I'm going to keep it at a high level here, but, but would do inappropriate things in these other barracks. And so, but they wouldn't come to their barracks because they didn't want to be around the fleas. And Corey Ten Boom ended up recognizing and being able to be thankful because although if she would have looked at the surface, she would have said, why are we in this terrible situation? Why couldn't we, where it's bad enough we're in a concentration camp, people being killed all around us. But, but here we are in barracks that are flea infested, but yet God used the fleas, she says, to protect them from being violated. See, sometimes you can find things to be thankful for even when you're not saying... I'm super grateful, God, that you got fleas all up in our tent. You know, you used to hear people talk about, oh, I pray, you know, that the sand of your tent will be infested with fleas, not with kids. People used to say crazy stuff like that to each other. But the reality is, even in the midst of that, you can find ways to be thankful that still God is causing all things to work together for good. What about when and where? When and where are we supposed to be praying like this? 1 Timothy 2 and 8 actually gives us some explanation. It says, Therefore, I want men in every place to pray. Every place. Lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Look at that statement. In every place without anger or argument. 
It just reinforces the idea that prayer is not supposed to be about anger. It's not supposed to be about argument. But rather it's to be in an attitude of holiness because he said while you're lifting up holy hands before God. Lifting up holy hands, what is that really? Really it's talking about we're lifting up hands that aren't covered with with the, the stains of, of our anger, of our argumentation, of, of hostility, and all these things. It's, it's being holy. It's being pure. It's being able to say, God, I want to come before you. I'm going to be honest with you. It, it, when I say sometimes to God, I want to come before you, sometimes I have to pray in order to try to get pure so that I can finish praying. Amen? I mean, there's times where I have to go and say, God... There used to be a song, I really love this song, it said, Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And there's a lot of times where I have to go to God, and the first part of my prayer has to be, God, help me cleanse me. God, let me confess and remove this stuff and cleanse my hands so that I can lift them up and worship to you and intercede and pray on others' behalf. Not having problems on my own. The Bible talks about it in one part. says that, that if you're going to come to the altar, it's talking about worship, it says if you're going to come to the altar to give your gift to God, your gift of worship to God, and says and you realize that there's a problem between you and your brother, it says leave your gift, go make that right, and then come back so that God will receive your worship. So he wants you to lift holy hands. He wants you to lift holy hands. The reality is, I, don't, I think all of us would probably be honest enough to say that we don't walk around 100% of the time with holy hands. We struggle with stuff. We struggle with, with getting angry about something. We struggle with, with our frustrations toward people. We struggle with not doing things we know how to do. And that's, just, that's the reality. And we're trying to mature past that, grow in every area so that we get more mature in each area where that's not happening as much. But we just have to go to God and we have to say, look, I recognize, God, that you say you want us in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. <coughs> so, God, I've got to remove the anger. I've got to remove the argument. No matter where it is. See, don't be afraid to pray. I had something happen, and I'm just, I'm just sharing this with you. I, um, we, we had one of our largest customers, or really our largest, was in this week. And there were about eight of us that went out to, uh, to eat lunch. They brought our food out. And uh, I, I wasn't going to make a big deal about anything. I bowed my head and prayed over my food. I noticed the guy next to me. I just met him. He takes his hat off. He prays over his food. We get back to the plant. I, I turned them loose with one of my guys to go do a tour. We'd had a couple-hour meeting that morning. They go to leave, and this guy comes in, and he says, Hey, I want to, I want to talk to you for a minute. I said, all right. He said, man, I really enjoyed meeting you. And he said, I told these other guys when, uh, from their company, he said, I told them, I said, man, I kind of like him. He's a good dude. And the other guy goes, well, you know, he's a preacher. <laughs> and, and he goes, well, I knew something was different. And he said, man, I just, I really want you to be praying for you. And I said, well, hey, I noticed you pray over your food. And I said, we were the only ones, you know, that prayed over our food. And he said, well, I just, man, it's just good. You know, it's good. Look. We're even in the simple things that we can go doing around praying when and where. Don't be afraid to pray. Don't just because you're out with a group of people, well, I'm not going to pray over my food, you know, because I'm, I'm going to look. You ain't got to make some big deal and go, hey, everybody, I need you to bow your heads and I'm fixing a King James this meal. I mean, you don't have to do that. But just don't be afraid to pray. 
Don't just tell people, well, I'll pray about that. If it's important and somebody comes up and says, hey, you know, I really need you to pray about this. And let's pray about it right now. You know, I'm, I want to remember later too, but let's just go ahead and pray right now. Let's just take a moment. You ain't got to, again, you don't have to make a big deal. You ain't got to say, well, let's all join hands, you know, right here. And I mean, you can put your hand on somebody's shoulder or you can just stand there and say, hey, let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now. You ain't got to turn into some, you know, oh, dear Heavenly Father. I mean, if that's the way you want to pray, pray at it. Have at it. I mean, but, but you don't have to. God, you know the need that we got right now. I don't even know all the details, but God, we're just going to bring this to you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 actually tells us to pray constantly, giving thanks in everything. Listen to that. There it is again. Man, it's just mess you up, won't it? He says, pray constantly, giving thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Ah. Here he is again talking about you're going to have to pray and you're going to have to give thanksgiving. I actually like the order of it, honestly. I like the order of it that's in, here in 1 Timothy. I like the fact that he says, hey, go make your petitions. Prayer. Intercede. Thanksgiving. Man, you can come out of prayer then with Thanksgiving. You ever know, if you start off with Thanksgiving, you end with all the bad stuff. Sometimes you walk away from that prayer time. Oh, my goodness. You know? If you can kind of get all the stuff out there, and God, here it is. Now I'm going to intercede on their behalf, and then I'm going to give thanks. Man, you walk away from prayer going, all right, okay. I've put it in God's hands. He's in control. He's the one that can do something about this, and I'm thankful for that. So the where is everywhere, and the when, it's all the time. Whenever God moves on your hearts, you ought to pray. What about the why? Why are we supposed to... This, this, is, this is so good here for the end of this. Why are we supposed to pray like this? Why are we supposed to communicate with God like this? Paul makes it very clear. He says, So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So the first thing he says is, look, when you pray for people like this, it is so that you can live a tranquil and a quiet life in all dignity and godliness. But then Paul immediately follows up by saying, because this is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's plan for communication with him is twofold. Number one, it benefits the believer. But it's also in line with his desire for all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Because if you're praying for someone, then you're not just praying in, in anger and all this, but you are praying, God, I want them to become my brother or sister in Christ. I wonder sometimes whether when people are asking for prayer about folks in authority in their life, whether they really want that person to get saved or they just want them to go away. Well... I mean, are you really seeing and saying, God, I wish that person be, would be my brother in Christ. I wish that they would be my sister in Christ. Because <laughs> if they are, you pray for them differently. You start praying about their soul. You start praying about the eternal things that matter. You start praying about the real battle. Instead of just praying about the actions and the symptoms 
Look, folks, how, how, how many of you have been sick in the last two weeks? How many of you had some sickness in the last two weeks? I'll raise both hands and a, and a foot and, and all kind of stuff. So do you really, did you want people to be praying because, for your cough? Or did you want for people to be praying for whatever the illness was to get up off of you? I mean, if you had a fever, and, and I'll give you mine, you know, two weeks ago, Christmas night, I had the shakes. I trying to, when I tried to talk, it was crazy. I mean, it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I had the crazy shakes going on. We walked in the house Christmas night. I mean, I literally got in the door. Caleb now, he knows. He knows what to do because it happened back the end of October. Round two for me. I, I, I start getting the shakes. He's just grabbing the blankets, throwing the blankets on me. And that night, every time I'd alert raising blankets, finally, boy, it hit me again, you know. I'm laying there in the recliner. They're, I think they were playing Xbox or, or PlayStation or something. And, you know, I'm over here. Man, I don't want you to pray for this shakes to go away. I want you to pray for whatever's causing it. See, sometimes we're praying about stuff. God, make them stop being like this. God, make them stop being like this. You just need to pray, God, get a hold of their life. God, just change their heart. God, bring them into your family. Because then your Holy Spirit will reside in them and He'll start to change everything about them. You over here just trying to pray for one thing. Just pray so God will change all of it. But then what if all of a sudden they become your brother in Christ? You going to welcome them in? Man, you ought to come to church with me. Because, I mean, you was hating them like two days before. You was, you was player hating on them, right? I mean, you were, you were ready. God, you know, if you got to, just, you know, do what you need to do, Lord. I'm going to drop this one on you. Reality is, many of us would be unable to be effective at witnessing the many people in authority because our attitude toward them is so negative, even in our prayer life, that we simply are not prepared spiritually to be a positive influence on them. We're just not prepared. We're so negative in how we think about them, and how we talk about them, and how we act. And again, I'm not talking about not being realistic about the actions that someone is doing or whatever, but we have developed a complete negative attitude, and yet what if God wanted to use you? People go, well, I don't know the mayor. Well, I don't know the, this person. I don't know the governor. Well, I tell you what, man. They go to the grocery store sometimes, too. You know, they go. They travel through. There's folks that run up on, on celebrities and all kind of folks all over the country. I just know this. I just want to have myself prepared. I'm not telling you I'm there. I'm telling you we're working on it. I want to have myself prepared where, God, you could use me if you put somebody across my path that I don't even know why it is that all of a sudden I come into contact with them. I want to be able to have an opportunity because I am not so spiritually negative but that you could use me to be able to be a positive influence even in a moment my sister actually posted something, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, she's six years older than me. I often like to remind her of that every chance I get. And, um, and uh, we, because I was sick the day after Christmas, we didn't get to go to my dad's family's Christmas in Tallapoosa, Georgia. And they always do, uh, you know, dirty Santa, you know, so you get steal presents from people and all that kind of stuff, you know. Get a bunch of church folks together, you know, they want to steal stuff from each other and, and make each other mad because they took presents and all that kind of stuff. I don't know what's up with that, but, but, but so we didn't get to go, and my sister went, and somehow she ended up with jumper cables. 
She ended up with jumper cables. But she posted this thing because our family, the pain side of the family, has a, has a Facebook group that, that they put everybody in so we can communicate and keep up with each other and all that stuff. And she posted yesterday, and she said, hey, I just wanted to share. See, sometimes stuff that you think is... And, and she said, I just wanted to share how God used the, the Dirty Santa thing, and I ended up with the jumper cables. She said, the day after, she said, I was on my way home, and she said, I, I pulled up at a service station going to get some gas, and there were some people there that they couldn't get their car started, and they needed to jump their car off. There's some people there who wanted to help them. Nobody had any jumper cables. And she said, I had those jumper cables that, we, that I'd ended up with out of that. And she said, so I was able to use that. And so then I was able to share with them how God had provided that and used that as an entryway. See, look, you, you got to, even when maybe perceived negative stuff happens, you got to be looking for ways that you can use things for a positive influence and be prepared spiritually to be able to be a positive impact on people. Believers are called to be something unique in the world, especially when it comes to prayer. We're called to stand in the gap. Have you ever thought about why the Bible talks about we're called to stand in the gap? Why is there a gap? Why is there a gap? Why is it that you need to step into a gap? It's because there's something missing. There's a void there. There's something that, that would, it would be, if there's a gap in a hedge and, and there's a dog on the other side, if you put something in the gap, then hopefully you keep the dog from coming in. You prevent a danger. We're called as believers to step in the gap, which means there's, there's something missing. But you're the answer. You can step in the gap. Where others would simply be critical and angry at authorities, we're called to lift them up in prayer and intercession. We're called to find and communicate thanksgiving regarding them. And here's the absolute truth. You and I will not be able to do this in our own strength. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to do this on your own. That's why we have to let the Holy Spirit powerfully work in us and change us. That's why prayer is such a powerful discipline in our lives. And it is a discipline. We, we, we think about discipline from the sense of, of correction, but discipline is also doing something consistently. It's doing something on a regular basis where it becomes a, happen, a habit. You're disciplined to do this. Prayer is not for God. just want to go ahead and get that, get that out of the way for you. Prayer is not for God. He's not waiting to do things in people's lives until you pray about it. He's not sitting there going, man, I wish I could do something in their mother's life, but they just won't pray about it. God loves your mom more than that. God loves your boss. Because he already said, he said, this pleases God. Why? Because it's his desire for all men to be saved and come to know the knowledge of the truth. He loves them more than to depend on waiting on you to pray about it. But... He gives us the awesome privilege of having the opportunity to pray about it. Because prayer is not about God, it's about us. Prayer is about us being able to break down our own feelings and submit those things to God and say, God, I'm going 
I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to intercede on their behalf, even though they may be attacking me. Remember, the Bible talks about, it says, pray for those that do despitefully use you. Prayer's not for God, but it's for us. Because as we discipline ourselves to pray these petitions, intercession, and thanksgiving, we'll find ourselves growing, maturing, and strengthening in our spiritual walk. Prayer. Prayer. It is for everyone.